Okay. Uh, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. And before we start, I have given, I think, I don't know if I've given the whole church this, but I'm going to right now. Uh, but I, give, I gave our Bible talk leaders and, and the men, it's uh, Psalm 28, verse 7. Does anybody want to come up and recite that? Now, don't guess. I want you to really recite it if you can. All right, uh, Chaz, come on up. We are a Bible church, and we believe in really not only me, but once in a while, we just, you know, I'm trying to get people to really understand, as you do your quiet times, grab verses that mean a lot. And there'll be different times, but this is a powerful scripture. You ready? Psalm 27 reads, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart will leap for joy and with my song I praise him. Come on. When you really make that your own, just like any scripture, because you can say that with your faith, is, you know, God is my strength and my heart and he helps me. You know, he helps you. He helps me. And then when, you're, when your heart trusts in him with all your heart, that shows that you're going to obey and do what he says to do even when you don't feel like it. And then your heart leaps with joy. I think we translate that like I'm fired up with the results of how I see you consistently when I trust you with all my heart as I see the strength I draw from you and I see the shield protecting me, God. You are amazing. That's an incredible scripture. Turn your Bibles to... Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Thank you for reciting that. Guys, I want the church to really make that part of your quiet time and make that part of your prayer life and weave that in. It'll really move you. You will grow. It's not about memorizing it, because I said memorizing it. It's about putting it in your heart, as David said best. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Amen. And uh, the title of the lesson is Forever Begins Now. Okay, Hebrews chapter 13. In verse 5, we pick it up. It says, give your lives, keep your lives, excuse me, keep your lives free from money, from the love of money, and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And forever begins now. And I love how he says, keep your lives free from the love of money as we're going into these scriptures and be content. And it's kind of uh, what was shared with Justin is the theme about trusting God. Compare to spare. God's got you where he wants you. But he says keep your lives free of the love of money. Why? Because it will now just, it will deter you from walking and trusting with, with God and with all your heart. He says, I will trust you with all my heart and you will help me. And the reason here is keep your lives free from the love of money. God knows we need money to survive. The love of money is a tricky thing. But then he says, man, look at, I even gave you examples. He says, the Lord is my helper. But then he says, remember your leaders. Check them out. Who spoke the word of God to you? Consider their outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Karen shared how we're just, we're not better than anybody, but we are striving to be disciples of Jesus the way the Bible defines. She said when she came and she saw a consistency of everyone understanding the truth and, and spirit fall in God. And that's why if you're living with God, everybody needs a lot of help. And we are not, it's not about looking at where you're at. It's realizing strong in the grace. You're imitatable. But don't you love us as Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? You know, in this turbulent, fast-changing world that goes to, from one crisis to the next, nothing seems permanent. And she shared, I mean, COVID, we just kind of are hopefully seeping out of it still you know, it's a now a new virus. It's never going to go away. But crises has come up. Wars come up. Jesus even says wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes, all these terrible things. God says these are going to be allowed and caused by sinful nature and world and loud. Doesn't mean it's still not challenging us because we're in it, right? However, this statement of faith has been a source of encouragement to disciples of Jesus through all the centuries, in every generation, for every century. See, it's not remember your leaders. It's wherever you're at, everybody's rising up. You look at the leaders physically that are following Jesus. That wouldn't just be Sonia and I. That would be every disciple growing and imitate me as I imitate Jesus. But if you're really living and leading in Christ, you're leading in humility. You open your life. You're not just like a distance person. People know you. You share regularly what you're overcoming. But that's what has gone on through the generations of bringing the truth, but really showing it can be done. Not just here, but in movements of churches around the world of disciples teaching and making disciples of one another. It's falling apart if you aren't looking at Jesus. The world could seem like, wow, what's happening? People are clinging in fear on what's going to happen. And if you watch the news too much without Jesus, you just go, I'm just going to be informed what other mortals think. See, I try to stay in touch with the mortals. And I'm not any better. I'm a mere mortal too, but it says this. It says, I love it, it says in in verse 6, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. That means whatever's going on or whatever they're saying is coming or whatever we're involved in. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That includes the smell of fear economically, politically, uh, environmentally, virusly. What can any of that do to me? It's not that I'm not going to be humble and listen to the authorities. That's right, Papa Joe. It's awesome to have him here. 94 years and right in the front row going, come on. I'm so fired up to have you here, man. You have to go by your faith. It doesn't work if you go, I agree, but you're not in it. You're not connected. It means squat. It's an intellectual thing that you go on and you say, but then you, you take the hits like mere mortals that don't have faith. And you react and respond like mortals that don't have faith and understand the power. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shield. I trust in God with all my heart. And he helps me. I am not afraid. 
I'm humble because I'm in the Lord. I'm not strong, but in God, I'm not afraid. That's where you realize God, who God is when you say he's my helper. What can mere mortals do to me? Well, if mortals make a mistake and environmentally experiment and viruses come out new, what can they do to me? Well, you may get sick and you may die. If you're in Christ, so be it. It's better to be in Christ and die, I promise you, than not be in Christ and die because all people die. So I think me growing up in, in, in the Lord and being taught and understanding Christ, I was 31, and I look back and I have so much to thank. And I remember all the different men and women that were in my life as Sonia and I, I grew up in different churches in, in, in Christ in our movement. We were in California and Phoenix and we're here. I have been taught so much by seeing mature disciples modeling for me just their way of life. They didn't even realize it. They just did it. Isn't that awesome? You know, there's no such thing as getting old with Jesus. There's getting, you're going to get old. But with Jesus, Jesus is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you're in Christ, you're forever. Our bodies will fade, but it's just a transfer. I'm not getting old. I mean, the mortals that don't understand the Bible say you're getting old. Well, I, yeah, I, look, this is white. I'm going to go for this look now. I'm going to have a little white look here. I go, wow. I'm going, oh, no, I'm getting old. I'm not going to go get that commercial that says, make your beard look black. Oh, my gosh. You know how messy that would be for me? I go, no. Let's live it out, man. This is part of my journey. White hair. Come on. There's no such thing as has-beens. You ever heard the has-been, been there, did that with Jesus? No. Yesterday, today, and forever. Point number one is don't let your yesterdays defeat you. See, in other words, don't let your past defeat you. God brings your past with you. When you are forgiven and you repent and you understood your sins and made Jesus Lord as Caleb and Xavier are going to do today, their past is going in the water with them and coming out. They're forgiven of their sins, but the dynamic of damage and hurt by others and fear and experience and whatever they've gone through is coming out with them as a saved person. Why? Because now God's going to have you learn to go, God is my strength and my shield, and in God I'll trust with all my heart and he'll help me. I'm saved, but I still need help. And I'm afraid and I still need strength. And I'm taking more on than I can't think I can and I need a shield. And that's what it means to be saved in grace. You still take the hits and you got sinful character dynamics. And you got pain and triggers and untrusting and all that. And you're saying, Jesus, Lord, and he's forgiving you. But now outside, you're going to now let God heal you and conform you. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Don't let your yesterdays defeat you. And I'm not saying we're minimizing that. Whatever pain you went through, abuse, hurts, whatever, no one is going to take that from you, nor would I go, or anybody should go, look at it and demean it. It's real, and it's powerful, and it's in your life, but if you allow it to hinder you from being in Christ, then you haven't grown through it yet. Because remember your past, 
as, as a disciple to move others. Because you now know you're strong and you have those weaknesses and those damages and those hurts. But you've worked through those. Now you're going to be used by God to go, hey, not only am I going to show you the way if you're seeking God, because I'll just share what I should so we can stay in line biblically. But I can relate, man. I still have pain. But I'm here now to tell you God gives me strength. He gives me shield. He helps me. And I trust him with all my heart, and you can too. And I'm telling you, it's a growth time. He's never left me even though I've been weak in my faith. See? The Wednesday speakers, India, Josie, Kenji, and Taylor. They, I believe, probably remembered their past to move others. Being humble and sharing with other women that visited and women that are part of the church to go, hey, we need to hear each other growing and overcoming we need to be reminded we need to be encouraged we can do this we can overcome it we are not what the world or what we thought we were from our upbringing or whatnot we are awesome because god thinks we're awesome confidence grows in god but it's confident humility first peter 4 verse 1 says since christ suffered in his body arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in his body is done with sin. That would be Jesus is Lord. You don't just say it as lip service. You study the Bible, repent, understand, and then you're ready to be baptized. You must have already decided to live and become a disciple, living it out, walking and obeying God. Now you stand at the waters and receive the gift. Uh, and you're obeying God's plan. You're obeying God. He says do it. But he says arm yourself. And as a result... They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. And I love in verse 3. For you have spent enough time in the past, in your yesterdays, doing what pagans do. Doing what mere mortals without faith. That's what that means. Pagan is not a bad word. It's someone that hasn't learned biblically to believe and trust in God the only way you can is defined by Jesus. We're learning scripture here and there and you're not understanding it or not connecting it with truth powerfully and humbling. It's just the scriptures are powerful, but you can't connect it until you humble out fully to God. They're real, but the power has to come with you humbling out going, what, do, what does Jesus want me to become? And I need to find people because Jesus said, go make supplication. So to this day, there needs to be disciples carrying the torch as though we were the ones that Jesus said, go make disciples when he was there. Yes. Now we're carrying it. Now we have his word. He gave it to us. There's no room for adding or taking away. We're just going, this is the pattern. Yes. And God in spirit will honor that. Amen. You spent enough time, right? As disciples, can't you say that? Yeah. Man, I spent enough time getting in all this damaged baggage, hurting people, being in life, doing things I regretted, waking up the next day or going, why did I do that? Why did I do this? I felt wrong and I just kept going and hanging out with the group and they're all doing it, so I'm doing it and I'm still feeling weird inside. My conscience is bothering me, but everybody's doing it, so I'm going to do it again. And I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> Debauchery, drunkenness. I'm not going to use drugs or get drunk again. Well, you did again and again. Why? I don't know. You're insane. So am I. And you need Christ. That's why Paul says, what I don't want to do, I do. And what I hate, what I do want to do, I don't. But he's not saying I give up. He's saying I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to keep walking. Amen. Orgies. 
Impurity's all over the place. You can't even hear a radio, look at a TV, even a commercial. It's, even they make laundry soap look impure. Everything has a sex to it, doesn't it? So frightening. Back when I was growing up, and I can say that now because I'm getting... It, it gets worse. I'm just telling you, the 70s was more like that. You've never seen like a Tide commercial with someone adding like a sexual window for it. Because it, it appeals. Greed and advertising get that little nature. Carousing. Just, just wandering with no purpose into whatever arena that you go in and then just kind of go along with the program and whatever plays out. You, have no, you stand for nothing and whatever you're around you'll do. It's been enough time. Lying, cheating, having sex with people you don't even remember their name, or you, you, you don't even know them. Impurity, pornography, lying, being mad, reacting, and going, I'm sorry again, I'm sorry. Well, get sorry, repentant. Amen. Keep saying sorry, but don't just say sorry and don't grow. Amen. Just me, I've been through a hard life. Well, I'm just going to throw this at you. Stop throwing. Verse 4, they are surprised when you change. You spend enough time, I'm done. I understand I've armed myself now with Christ, and I'm understanding for real the power. I went to church all my life. I'm son, I never understood the power. I believe in God, but I never had the power in humility, but the power of God to overcome and live the way God wants me to live. They are surprised, verse 4, isn't that true? They are surprised that you do not join in with them in their recklessness. Wild living, and they heap abuse on you. See, from God's point of view, it's reckless living. You may say, oh, no, no, it's reckless living if you're not walking in the light. Wild living. You can say, well, I wasn't that wild. No, no, it's, it, it's sin. Don't compare. And they heap abuse on you. Don't you get heat? That's persecution. You become a disciple truly. You're a little different. You're not trying to preach to anybody to be self-righteous, but you really use that truth. And then you know friends and family that may be in, a, in, a, in an organization that's not taught the correct truth. So you're not even saying anything, but the way you're living, they got to either go, you're a fanatic freak, and go, you're, you, 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 all, you, the church is running you, we're controlling you, or you're a cult. Or maybe I need to learn something. So you're either going to go at it, or you're going to go, whoa. I look at your life. What's going on? You've changed so much. Why do you go to church? And what are you, what, what's going on? Yeah. So you either got to label it wrong so you feel good, or you're going to be humble and go, what's going on? Because Christ, who is your life, yeah. when he appears, not part of it. Yeah. We're not religious and weird. And we don't push people and try to make people weird. But we walk as real people in the truth of the light and honor God. And we devote in our family spiritually is the family of God. And we don't love less anyone else. But that's what God says. But then in verse 5, after they're heaping views on it, he reminds everybody that they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are dead now. Not so that they may be judged according to the human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. See, when Jesus died in the past, historically, 2,000-some-odd years. I don't even know the exact date, right? 33 A.D., I think. That's when he died. He rose. They can pretty much put that there. Well, that was yesterday's, historically. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he died, he died physically, but he didn't just go on ice spiritually. 
God is always working. And it says, it says a little glimpse into the afterworld that we are so interested in. Everybody's wondering. But this is a little glimpse that, wow, there's a lot going on beyond the grave. For this reason, the gospel was even preached to those who are now dead. And that's powerful. Basically, he's saying, he's not trying to give him another chance. He's saying, whatever you thought, you either blew it. Part of, the bottom line is the victory is done and the plan of God is laid out. Demonic powers, everybody is over. This is it. There's no mocking or nothing. It's no one's. This is it. That's why he went down to the demons in Noah's heart that died in their disobedient spirits. He said, no. You guys think you, you blew it. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus said that. It's finished. And you didn't go for it. You didn't answer the response because of pride. If you don't answer the response, to be humble to the word of God. See, it says in verse 7, let's keep reading, the end of all things is near. Wow. Well, that was, that's what they've been saying that for 2,000 some odd years. What's going on with that? Is that near? You could say that. That's what your morals would say without faith. Well, it's near no matter what, because everybody dies pretty quick in a lifespan. Even if you live long to 90 or 100 and something, you're going. It's, it is near. The end of all things is near in God's timing. Be alert, sober-minded, so that you may pray. See, if you're not alert and sober-minded and not doing well, let me tell you something. If you're anxious and stressed, does prayer work? Prayer works if you humble and go and start to pray when you're, when you're combating that and going, God, I need help. This is where I'm at. But if you're not going to go to God and you're stressed and anxious, you won't naturally pray. It's arm yourself with God. It's, not, it's harder to pray when you're in the midst of emotional turmoil. Either you're in sin or someone caused it. It's, it's, you've got to set an arm and, and realize it's a war. And you just got to pray. But a lot of times we have to train ourselves to get to pray even when we don't feel like it. And ask God and know the scriptures about what God really says. And that's how you form your prayers, because you, God gives you promises and ways to work with you. He says, I'm not going to possibly take away the problem, but I'm going to help you understand that I'm with you in the problem, and it's for your own good. Amen. That helps you. Yes. Look at what it says again. Above all, verse 8, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Don't you love that? What does that mean? That means you don't have to go to someone every second because they did something wrong or they nitpicked on I just get stronger. I don't stuff it. you got to keep your heart soft. But I'm like, man, everybody's a sinner. So I go, man, he's having a bad day. I don't need to call him and say, bro, we need to get together. Unless really, I'm just going to look at him the next day. And go, hey. I mean, come on. Don't, is everybody, what are you doing? Behind, you, 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 you're not perfect, are you guys? So you learn to love each other and just love each other. And not be so offended or not be so quick. to oh, what you No, no, just love them. Love them so much, they're gonna, they, if they have the spirit and the true souls, they're going to go, they're going to get it just like you do get it, right? When you're in sin, sometimes you just, you just know, you, know you, you, you do the right thing eventually with encouragement and love. But then verse 9, it ends up, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why? Because the end of all things are near, and it's a battle on your soul. Offering hospitality, Sonia and I got a bigger kitchen table. We went to the uh, thrift store. What was it? Good, Goodwill or what? Salvation Army, we weren't looking for it. We were just kind of walking in there and we went, what is that? <laughs> Sonia more boiled me to it. It's a sweet table. I mean, it's a sweet deal. But you know what? 
it's got a lot more chairs and it's a lot bigger. And I'm like, what do we do? A small restaurant? <laughs> but you know what we do in our house, and I've been taught by others, I offer hospitality because it's a command. It's not about the table. I'm not going to look at my table, but I look at the chairs. And over 28 years, I realize, at least for me, I've been able to share my good, my bad, and ugly. If anybody wants to listen and maybe help them or just have fun, there's been laughter. There's been tears. There's been truth spoken. There's been conviction spoken around our tables in the club at homes for 28 years. And food. Get the food in there. And then we go, we have food you know nothing about. You have the scriptures, but, but, but isn't that true? We use the stuff. Some people that don't know the mere mortals that don't understand truth and God, they'll have living rooms that are off limit. You'll come in their house and they go, don't touch that area. It's like marked off. They, I, I grew up with relatives like that. Sweet white carpet and a white couch. and It was like, it was like a showing. I felt like I was at, at the Universal Studios walking through and like the wax figures would be in there. But you, you, no one goes in there. It's too nice. You wear things out. You try to be kind and clean up after yourself. But I look at floors with a little scratch on them. Get that, let's call, go to Home Depot or whatever. And shop, share, I squeeze that, you know, squirt that stuff on it and just try to push the shine. But those are badges of love, right, guys? And, you know, all of us are trying to do that. We're all trying to love and be kind. Because that's what it means to pull people in. But you need to know the truth. My hat's off to the Davises, Kenji and, and Fonzo. They're so hospitable. They have people in their house all the time. You know, Millie and Robert over there home for a Bible talk. And they're hardworking, and both these couples are hardworking, but they don't go look at my stuff. They go, hey, come in, and I want to create an environment where Earl and Janice can, people offer up, the Hills offer up their Bible talk. They're in their house, they're Bible talk leaders, but they said, hey, Right now, whatever the need is, if you can offer up a house, that's hospitality. An environment that can do that. That's a beautiful thing. People are talking about God having food and smiling in an environment. You know, uh, Diego, he has people in his house. He'll open it up for singles, devos, get-togethers, and sometimes he'll just say, I'm, gonna open I'm just going to get the whole theater and invite everybody in. Because he can, and he's generous. It's his idea, but it pulls people together. And that's just use what you have to bring people together and love and then bring the truth and encourage one another because it, the days are near. It's coming. Today starts now. Point number two, today starts now. Some people continue to say, today starts mañana. Not to pick on the uh, Latino people, but there's a funny comment, right? Yeah, everything's mañana. And I don't mean that just, but it's a funny comment, right? Am I off? It means you don't get it done. Could be whatever race. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow. People live in the world tomorrow. Tomorrow's not a very successful world. Tomorrow I'll do it. Tomorrow I'll do it. Tomorrow I'll do it. No, it's your choice, but why wait for so many things that even when you say tomorrow I'll do it, some of it perhaps never happens. A dream, I'll do it maybe. The fears hit you because you're still a mere mortal in faith in those areas, and you've got to get that armor and go, I'm going to go in and take a risk. Not a stupid risk, but I'm going to live by faith. Today starts now. Um, look in Luke 13. Um, 
I think it's Luke 12, 13. I got it in here, but I didn't write the scripture down. Hold on. Yes, Luke 12, pick it up in 13. Before we do that, though, I'm sorry, go up a little bit more in, um, in that verse. And look at verse 4 of Luke 12. This is a sermon that's ongoing, and I want to see you how people, even us, if we're not sober-minded spiritually, can go right over your head. He says, I tell you, friends, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than the sparrows. So he says a thing like, you need to get the fear of God and realize if you don't surrender and want my plan, which is in love to follow me, you're not going to be with me after you die. And that's what he's saying. You'll be completely absent of God's presence and would be absent of all, even any love. Because right now the rain comes, the sun, and he's allowed us all to obtain things whether we care or not. Atheists are still able to make livings and wicked people still somehow get by. And God says, I miss nothing. But when you die is when it's fixed. So this sermon's going on, and now we drop down to verse 13, and he's done kind of speaking and saying, Jess, and someone in the crowd said to him, they should have said, wow, that's convicting. Can I know more? That's intense. What are you talking about? Hell, I never even heard that word. And what do you mean you know us that well that you care for me? No, he says, teacher, tell my brother to invite the inheritance with me. Right over his head. He's right there. He's not even thinking about anything he said. He just goes right in and goes, amen. How many times have you been to church and heard it just went over your head? All my life I did that. I was like, well, what are you doing? I went because my parents made me. I was in, just waiting to get out. I didn't miss nothing. I was thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow night, that night, whatever. I just, that's my life. I just went to church because that's what we did. But my mind was never focused. And, you know, I have to set my mind now that I know the truth. You still have to have that conventional set your mind so you're not distracted. If you don't listen and don't and look through maybe the things you're uncomfortable with if you've never been to church, like the way we sing last wise, biblical. And then I'm preaching, you go, this guy's a little loud, rambunctious, but then just look, as he said, what is the message from the Bible? Is he awk? And that's what you need to do, because that's how God works today. He uses people to preach the word. But then he says, man, Jesus goes, look at this, and I can almost picture, I know he's not saying it that way. He's like, man. No, he just said, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, watch out, exclamation point. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of Possession, you know, the abundance of possessions. You know, we have our special missions of those of us that are members of Orlando. We're striving to raise. That money all goes out. The Sunday giving supports the work of the church here. But we've all been uh, striving to pray and raise and be sacrificial. And we, we, we've strived to really raise 75 grand. It all goes out to the Los Angeles church that distributes it for the 17-plus mission teams that we're continuing to make disciples around the world. And we, I believe, are at 33%, which is awesome. But we have a month to go. May 22nd, five weeks. I appeal to the brothers and sisters, not the people visiting, but you know what we're going to do. And don't do it out of fear. Don't do it in, but making disciples is a sacrifice. It's either fear or you really go, I fear no one. God is my helper. And that's why he keeps weaving in. Watch out about money. Don't have a love of money. Give. Give. Don't just give. My, there's, no wrong, there's no amount. It's like if you can over, just give until we hit the goal. If you're able. If you're able. 
not out of guilt or compulsion, but all the disciples, let's go after it five weeks. And we're going to raise about 50, 40, something more thousand. I don't know the number, yeah. If everybody looks in their heart and gives with all their heart as members, we're going to blow it out. We always have. And it's going to go, and we're going to see the churches, and we're contributing with 127 other churches to grow and multiply. Amen? That's what it means to be in the kingdom. Living for eternal life. But then he goes on and says, after he says, watch out, in verse 16, he says, he told them this parable. A parable is an earthly story with an eternal forever meaning. And he says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, now watch how many times it's just him having a conversation with him. God's not involved, no prayer, nothing. He thought to himself, what shall I do? He's successful. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. What, what, what shall I do? I have no place for my barns. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Exclamation point. You know, it's hard to grasp God says, God calling it. You know, we think of the fool like disrespectful. But it's not disrespectful because God never sinned. But he literally says, God said to him, you fool. Now, we wouldn't say that. That would be disrespectful. Even if someone did wrong, you wouldn't approach that way because the fool meaning today is not what he means. He's saying, you made the unwisest choice doing your life. You left me out. You blew it. You left me out. I was always here, and you left me out. And, it's, and, and, and really, he's saying this parable from what that man said and a lot of people. Hey, man, I'm worried about now, here and now. I have this inheritance and this, that. They're just in the here and now. And he just preached some powerful words. And all of us need to listen to that because this man, by in and of itself, didn't. there's no great sin except leaving God out. The greatest command is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So as we walk with God, we grow in so many areas, don't we? We don't do anything because we have to. We look at the world, and we know the world is a sexual innuendo and everything, and purity is really cheap. So we even try to understand that women in the church, there's no real dress code assigned, but you strive to be beautifully, wholesomely dressed, because not because you're doing anything wrong, but you're in this world that can distract people. Right? And men need to appropriately dress, too, and protect the sisters. What do you mean? We, we, we dress with respect. Not because we're trying to, hey, look at me. We just want to go, God, you're awesome. Yeah. Right, sisters? Come on, right, brothers? Yeah. Amen. Come on, so he says, that voice was deep. Stay classy. Come on. <laughs> Get that a sound bite. Stay classy. But then look at this. What, verse 20 again. He said, God said to him, not, not God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. You know how scary that was when I first read it? It just reinforced, I don't get to decide or have any say in how I die. Isn't that, it's like, well, wait a minute, couldn't I have a say? I'm in Christ, you know, I know I'm going to die, but God, couldn't we, couldn't you just give me a sign how I'm going to die? No, he doesn't do that. Because we're all going to die, but he says, your time is up and you did not live the way you did. You were unwise. You were a fool in living. And that's what God says. Just like Chris reiterated scripture, the way of a fool seems right, but in the end it ends to death. And it's like we don't know that until we get humble. And he's saying, man, this very life you're going, you're going to die and you don't even know it. It's time up. And he says, then 
who will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. I don't know how much more we can say about being a disciple and loving God and loving one another and holding to the truth, the narrow road, and realizing salvation is a gift and we're in Christ, but we need to fight the good fight ourselves. That's why it says arm yourself. Last point, forever begins in the light. See, Angie entered the light yesterday. Why? You might say, well, I'm glad you asked. She went into the water, but from someone observing it has no clue of anything. It saw her go into the water in a pool. They wouldn't under, it would just be a mere mortal thing. Oh, the religious people are having a little ceremony. See, that's the problem. No, we aren't. There's nothing wrong being called religiously as long as we're truth followers, right? But it says here in verse Peter, 1 Peter 3, see, Caleb and Xavier are doing the same thing today after church. But we didn't just have a couple of emotional talks. And, and you know, even Xavier, I love Xavier. He came to me about a month and a half ago. He goes, I want to get baptized. I said, that's awesome. Your emotions are amazing. But you need to study the Bible and understand what Jesus is calling you to do. And, and agree and want to do it and understand what you're getting into with God. Because it's your faith biblically that saves you, not your just imagination. And he was humble. And the brothers got in there. And they're going to come up, the ones that are behind him. The same with Caleb, right? So look at 1 Peter 3, because forever begins in the light. So you want to be forever. You're still here, but you can't just wish you're forever. And you can't just claim God the way you want God. No one's going to interfere with you. No one's going to argue. And that's what most people can say, I've got God. And they don't even understand if they're correct biblically the way God says. And no one wants to end up dying and going, you're a fool. Do you fool this very night you're, you're dying? Yeah. See, you've got to be armed and ready. Arm yourself in the Lord, it says. Know the truth, live in the truth, pray for God to keep you what? God is my strength. God is my shield. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, and he helps me. That's daily. If you're saved, why would you need to pray that? Because God's journey of faith is now using you and refining your faith. And the only way you can refine is when you go through challenges and temptations and problems and see and show God that your faith and you're depending on God to grow stronger and become not a super mortal, but people will go, how do you do that? And you go, it's all God. Amen. Right? Yes. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, forever begins in light. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. See, all of us have to admit we are unrighteous, not just some people. You have to understand, how do I get brought to God? Most people, you'll just go along with the song and dance whatever church you grew up with. And I'm not trying to say anything wrong, but you should validate what you grew up doing. Yeah. Can I understand what I did? Can I understand why you're saying I'm saved? Some people think they're saved. They don't even remember how. They just go, how? They imagined it in their mind, which I'm not trying to take that away. But if it's biblically the way God didn't say it, then who's right? God, the, God, so he says he bring you to God look in the second part of verse 18 he was put to death in the body but made alive by the spirit see he didn't just take a night off when he died he was tortured beaten and it was finished and his spirit went God was always working and he said after in verse 19 being made alive he, made, he went and made a proclamation to the imprisoned spirits to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, 
a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. What's the symbolizing? Of the Noah's Ark water. The baptism, and it says, not the, renew, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good, of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand with angels, authorities, and powers and submission to him. See, God, Jesus went and said, you know what? All of you who were disobedient for a hundred years. Noah pre he says in Genesis, there's a, it's clear where God spoke to Noah. And then a hundred years went where he finally had the ark done. And then it says in Second Peter, it mentions Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he wouldn't just build an ark saying, don't mind me. He was telling everybody what God said. And they thought he was strange. And they, no one listened. In fact, only eight out of the whole population refused to do it Noah's, God's way, which Noah said. Because it just seemed weird. Or whatever. I don't know. Their sin had a captain. But he went down after that and said, you know, it's over. The demonic spirits. He preached to the spirits. He, he, it's a war. Victory's won. But he, the, the, Satan in the demonic world says, no, you haven't won. And he keeps stamping it. No one's getting over. Good conscience. Pledge of a good conscience. You're, you're trying to remember as much sin as you've done in your past when you get in touch. Your way of life. You've spent enough time doing that. So as far as you've done, you've decided that Jesus and you understand and you agree what the sins are. And you get in touch and you pray and you get godly sorrowful and you look at the sins and you talk. And even if you don't feel that bad, you get cut. You pray for God to help you become sorrowful as he intends. That's what it means to get ready and repent and decide Jesus Lord. And after you, a clear conscience, a pledge. What's a pledge? Forever. I made a pledge to my wife. Second most important pledge. Till death do I part. We're 27 years. I ain't going anywhere, honey. Because I made a pledge to God. Till death do I part. So in God, if I don't do well in my marriage, how can I go, I got God. It's all Sonia's fault. No, as your marriage goes, so goes your race. If you're disciples. Pledge of a good conscience. And it says it's not the removal of dirt from the water. It's being baptized into Christ. Let's look at Romans 6 as the people that are getting ready are going to come up here. And we're going to get ready to close out of the baptism. Uh, there they are. You guys ready? The baptismal people? Okay. All right. I'm going to look at one scripture. I'm going to come up. Ready? Look at, look at and this is what they're doing. You know, because you go, what are they doing? Well, is this just some kind of emotional reaction? They'll tell you, no way, Jose. They were, uh, they, they came up and they've been studying and there's no right or wrong. It's a journey, but you need to understand enough faith and agree with what Jesus defines as a disciple, which is a Christian biblically. And then be honest. Did you, did you even know that? And if you haven't, it's just being honest and humbling out because God's not going to change up for you. There's no reactive. You just got to go there's either, it's like, I didn't know this, and I've been trying all my life, but then you're going to humble out and go, okay. Because it's not about churches against churches. It's about showing the bird. And in Romans 6, 1, it says, what do, we say, what do we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? No, my no means. By no means, exclamation point. We, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer? That's a pleasure of a good conscience. You're going to struggle. You're going to sin, but your heart of the pledge goes, I will not relent, and I will continue to repent. Amen. Pledge of a good conscience. And then he says in verse, in verse 2, by no means we are those 
who have died to sin, those who understand died to sin, how can we live any longer? It's a new way of life following Jesus. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, and we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, a forever life, a saved life, even though you're going to have your baggage with you and you're going to have your challenges and you're emotional and you're going to need to continue to repent in Jesus. But that's the pledge you made. You're not going to quit. You're going to continue to be faithful and learn to grow and be used by the Lord. Amen?